Hey, and welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message from Pastor Jensen Franklin. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to the Old Testament book of Psalms 118. Tonight at all of our campuses, uh, we will be having an old-fashioned, including this one, an old-fashioned prayer meeting beginning at five o'clock and it'll go to six o'clock and it will be prayer. It will be praise. Our team will be worshiping. I'll be leading that time and we'll pray through the Lord's prayer. That's an actual picture of the last month's prayer meeting. We do this once a month. This was a Sunday afternoon at five o'clock and that many people came and it's going to, it's going to be like that again. I'm believing at every campus. How many of you know if we start crying out to God like that and keep doing it until he hears our, our, our cry, something's going to break loose on this church and on our families and on our lives, on our nation. And I thank God for people who will pray, who will pray. Come in and be ready to go right at five o'clock and let's see what God will do. We're going to anoint. We're going to pray. We're going to prophesy. We're going to do and flow with the Holy Spirit. He can do whatever he wants. And by the, by the way, next month in December, the first Sunday night, uh, uh, Lyndall Cooley's going to come with his band. If you don't know who he is, uh, you might have heard, if you never heard of it, research the Brownsville Revival because he was the worship leader in the middle of all of that. He and I got to know each other very, very well uh, because I used to preach down there on Friday nights a lot. And, uh, and he's going to come and he's going to lead us in that time, uh, in a worship time, uh, the first month of December. But be here tonight at five o'clock. It's going to be powerful. I'm reading today from Psalms 118, and I'd love for you to read this out loud with me as they put it up on the screen. I'll begin reading with verse 24. Would you read it with me at all the campuses if you can? If you don't have a Bible, look up on the screen. And if you don't have that, then uh, you must not be in church today. So get your Bible out in your home or wherever you are. You ready? Let's say it real bold, real big. Ready? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Keep going. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Come on, keep going. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with the cords to the horns of the altar. Keep going, everybody. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. You read that like a bunch of spirit-filled, Bible-believing blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled, bunch of crazy Christians. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today, and the message that I'm preaching comes in the form of a question. Are you still in love with praise? 
as we move into the season of Thanksgiving, as we move into the season that we are going into Thanksgiving and Christmas, I want to ask you a question. Are you still in love with praise? I believe that the devil will use two things to keep you from the blessings of God in your life. The two things are yesterday and tomorrow. What you got to understand is if he can remind you of your yesterdays, he can keep you out of your today. Or if he can, if he can throw you over into your tomorrows, worrying about tomorrow, trying to control and figure out tomorrow, you will miss the blessing God has for you today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice today, not tomorrow, not yesterday. I will rejoice today and I will be glad in this day and I'll rejoice. When you understand that today, not tomorrow, today, not yesterday. When you read the Bible, God had a pretty amazing response to people that would praise him. For example, in Ezekiel chapter nine, he said to mark the men that would cry and sigh and worship him. Mark them, the prophet was told, because they're worshipers. In Revelation in 11 and verse one, he told John to measure the worshipers by how they worshiped in the temple. If God were to measure your worship this morning, would would you come out okay? Have you really worshiped him? Because this stuff really matters to God. Only two things God said to mark and to measure. And that's how much a man or a woman worships God. In John chapter 9 and verse 31, it says, If any man will be, what? A worshiper of God. If anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, I'll hear him. If he'll come in and worship me, and if he'll do my will, but notice it's not just doing his will. I want people, mark the people, measure the people according to how they worship me. It matters to God if you're a worshiper or not. It really does. I want you to understand that there's a difference between worshiping and being a worshiper. One is a lifestyle. The other is moments of euphoria. Some people, they, they worship, but it's only done in an atmosphere like this. But what God is looking for is people who are worshipers. They don't just do worship, they are worship. John McCain, the deceased senator from Arizona was captured during the Vietnam War and he served seven years in imprisonment of the Vietnamese army. 30 to 40, he tells in a book that he wrote that 30 to 40 of them were placed in each cell, many of our soldiers there for many years. And he said in what they called the, um, the Hanoi Hilton, uh, there they were incarcerated. And there was a man that he served time with in that prison camp by the name of Mike Christian. And Mike Christian did something soon after he was captured. He took different colors 
of threads from different clothing and he got a bamboo needle and he sewed an American, tiny American flag into the garment that he was given that he had to wear, the prison clothes. And every day when he would hang the shirt up on a nail in his prison cell with the other 30 or 40 men, they said that he would put his hand on his heart and the others would join him and they would say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And of course, the Vietnamese uh, prison guards couldn't understand why every night they turned toward the garments that were hanging on nails. And every, only, only the prisoners knew there was a tiny red, white, and blue flag that had been sewn in under what the eye could see. And one day there was one of the guards who examined the clothes and found that tiny American red, white, and blue flag. And when they found it, the first thing they did is they came in and they ripped it to pieces, ripped the shirt to pieces and caught it on fire and burned it up. And then they took Mike Christian and they beat him for hours and hours and hours until he was literally at the point of death, according to John McCain. And they brought him back around 11 p.m. at night and threw him, he was stripped naked with no clothing, threw him into that room. They said that one side of his face was beaten so severely that he was purple almost on the whole, or blue on the whole side because his eye was bruised, his face was so bruised that it was blue and he had blood all over his, every, all kinds of injuries and blood just all over his body. And they gave him a white uniform to put on. So I want you to see the picture. All of a sudden, all of those soldiers, as he's laying there in the, in the red of his own blood and the blue of his own bruise and the white of the cheap prison garment that he had put on, one of the soldiers noticed he's not wearing the colors. He is the colors. So they put their hand on their heart and they said, we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States and went through the whole pledge of allegiance because he wasn't wearing the colors. He, he had become the colors. You see, there's a lot of people who come to church to worship. But I want to tell you that you don't just need to wear worship. You need to be worship. If it's, if it's not what I do, it's not just something that I am to do. It's what I am supposed to be. It's not what I come on Sunday and do. It's what I am. I've got to do more than wear it. I've got to be it. I've got to really love him. I've got to be in love with praise and worship and honoring and glorifying Jesus. The tribe Dan in the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes of Israel. The tribe Dan was the second largest tribe of all the tribes of Israel. The tribe of Judah, which the word Judah means praise, was the largest of all the tribes of Judah and therefore it went first. So in that vain, there should have been the second tribe, Dan. But when you get to the story, they started out the second tribe out of Egypt. 
when Judah went out first of Egyptian bondage and then Dan was behind them. But you read on over in the scriptures in the book of Judges that something happened. Something happened because they got on their journey to the promised land and the scripture said they reached a place called Laish and there they were secure and they saw that it was quiet. Notice the Sidonians lived there. It was quiet. It was secure. There were no rulers in the land that might put them to shame. And they said, you guys go ahead. We're going to stay here, camp out here. We like it here. Remember, they were right there with Judah in love with Judah. But then the rest of the tribes moved on and they enjoyed being quiet, being comfortable, being secure and being distant from praise. And when they began to put distance between themselves and praise, they began to lose their identity and they actually became the last tribe that brought up the rear of all of the 12 tribes. They lost their second position when they stopped praising and traded it in for quiet and secure. Revelation 7 said Dan was replaced by Manasseh. Why? Because they stopped loving, staying close to praise. Don't live in a distant, faraway place from worship. I wrote these words almost 20 years ago. This is an old outline that I found in an old box in my study. I pulled it out. It had a dead bug or two on it. I, I, I put it in my Bible because when I read it, it came alive like the, like the week that I wrote it. And I wrote these words about Little Free Chapel back then that was in the old, old building. And I wrote these words. The vanguard of this church is worship and praise. It gets us from one place to another. You know, when the children of Israel were taking new land, they had to put Judah out first. The tribe of Judah would go first from one place to another. I didn't even know what I was writing 20 years ago, but I knew that there was something about the praise of this house and the worship of this house that would carry us from one place to a bigger place, to a bigger place, to another campus in Brazelton and another one and another one in Spartanburg and Midtown and Cumming and Gwinnett and Orange County and on and on and on. And now all over the world through the internet, when you begin to be a praising place, praise has to go there before you get there. And some of you are stuck where you are because you don't praise God for anything that's coming. But when you begin to praise the Lord, he starts moving you from place to place, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. The thing that brought us this far, church, will take us all the way to the promised land. And it is worship and praise. And as pastor, I'm going to guard this church in that way. We will not become quiet and distant and, and, and like a bunch of old fossils. Come on, somebody. If you're alive, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The atmosphere of every campus must be filled with praise and worship.
Everybody take a praise break and clap your hands and say, I'm still in love with praise. Ninety-five percent of heaven will be made up of worship and praise. The 24 elders around the throne will be singing and shouting and praising God. The cherubims and seraphims will be singing and praising God. We'll be standing on the sea of glass praising worthy is the lamb that was slain. There will be a rainbow around the throne of God. A rainbow that is made, the Bible said, out of emerald, an emerald. The tribal stone of the tribe of Judah is the emerald. And when you understand that, God said there will be so much praise and worship in heaven that it will cause heaven to have a rainbow that is completely around the throne of God. Worship will take up heaven. Worship will be on the other side. They're singing and shouting and rejoicing on the other side this morning. David was, if more than anybody in the scripture, God's song and dance man. He was the man who wrote the Psalms that this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He and Moses were songwriters and musicians, and they wrote the book of Psalms. And the Bible said that when David went down to the battlefield one day to take some cheese and bread to his brothers, that he noticed the army of Israel in the trenches and he heard the giant and something in him began to get annoyed that the people of God were better at digging foxholes than fighting. And he knew they had lost their praise, but he had been out in the mountains praising and worshiping God, singing. You know, David took praise breaks. That whole phrase really is David's. The Bible said, he said, seven times a day, I will praise the Lord. That's a Bible verse. We take tea breaks and coffee breaks. He took seven praise breaks a day. And he'd go along and every few hours, he'd stop everything and dance and praise the Lord and sing a song or turn on, put on his garment of praise and worship the Lord. And here he is. And the Bible said that somebody came up to him and they said, hey, you know, if you go fight that giant, the king said, you get three things. Number one, you get a free house with no taxes. Number two, you get a part of the king's wealth. And number three, you get to marry his daughter. And David looked at the giant and said, he's ugly and looked at his daughter and said, she's pretty. And he said, you're going to die today. One of us are going to leave this field. And he went out there and he got to thinking about no taxes. And he said, hallelujah, this is worth fighting for. And he went out there and he said, you know, getting the wealth and being in the palace. I, I'm, I'm, he, was a, he was country before country was cool. There was nothing about, he was a country boy. He, he, was, he was more country than cornbread. He, he, this boy had never been to anywhere near a palace. And he thought, if I'm going to get to do it. And the Bible said after he slew Goliath that Saul called him to the palace. He said, I want to introduce you to my oldest daughter. Here she is. Her name was Merab, Merab. And the Bible said that when he introduced her and I could almost see him in my mind, he probably had on Wrangler jeans and cowboy boots and a tractor hat. What do you call it? John Deere hat and all of that. And 
and, and, and he's looking at this beautiful, stunning girl, and he says, how you doing? And she takes one look at him. This is in your Bible. Now, I'm paraphrasing the John Deere part in, in there, but, I'm, but you know what I'm saying. And, and most people read right over this and forget this. The Bible said that Merab looked at him, and she called her dad and said in so many words, Dad, I've got a problem I don't want to marry this thing. Why did you bring? Look at him. He wants to look at him. He, he, look at him. And, and the scripture said that she told her father, I am in love with a drill. That's some guy named a drill. I'm in a love with a drill. A drill. I don't want this country boy. And, and all of a sudden, the Bible said that there was a crisis. But then it says in 1 Samuel 18 and verse uh, 20, that there was another girl named Michal, and she spoke up, and the Bible said she loved David. And the Bible said in verse 28 again, she loved David. Now, David could be a type of praise. And in other words, she was the king's daughter, and she loved praise. But there was another king's daughter in the house that didn't love praise. And I wrote this question many years ago, and I want to ask it to every one of you listening to me at all of our campuses today. How can you be a kid's king? Uh, let me get it right. Edit. How can you be a king's kid and not be attracted to praise? How can you have royal blood in your veins and not be attracted to praise. You don't even, you don't even want to go to McDonald's with him. You, you aren't even, you don't even want to know if he's a good kisser. You don't even want to hold hands. What is wrong with you? How can you be a king's kid and not be attracted to praise? You are more attracted. Some of you are not attracted to praise and you're a king's kid. You're more attracted to a drill because I know you got a praise because when the Braves won the World Series, you had a praise. And when the Bulldogs are running all over everybody, we all have got a praise. But I say my best praise for my Savior and my Lord, and I can't get loud there and get quiet here. I ask you, do you still love praise? Because notice... Because notice that she started out in love with him. Mikhail did. She started out. I don't understand how born again people can get saved and never ever have a desire to praise the Lord. What water is to a fish, what air is to a bird, what, what air is to a human, praise is to a Christian. And just like a fish won't make it long without water and a bird won't ever be much and go high without air and a human won't live long without oxygen, a Christian will not make it long without praise and worship. And if you're not used to it, it's not a Baptist thing. It's not a Presbyterian thing. Praise is not a Pentecostal thing. It is a Bible thing. And you are commanded if you you have breath, praise the Lord. Don't care how cool and smooth you are, praise the Lord. If you're a king's kid, 
praise the Lord. Any Kings kids listening to me, I give you this chance. Praise the Lord. She loved David. We put Mikael down a lot, you know, because she did have some issues toward the end. But she loved David a lot. In the beginning, she had a lot of good qualities. She loved him. She, she focused her love on him. She said, I love you so much that when the other sister didn't love him, she said, I could marry you tonight. And he said, okay, let's do it. And they got married on the spot. That night, she married Mr. Praise. She wasn't embarrassed by him. She wasn't ashamed of him. She didn't care who came to church. She didn't care what they had whisper around the water coffee pot at work about him. She didn't care. I want this church to get like that. I think we got more to shout about now. I didn't see nobody pulling up on a donkey. I didn't see nobody pulling up. I saw cars out there, all kinds of cars. We ought to praise God more the more he does for us, not less. If you got more than you ever had, you ought to praise louder than you ever have. The difference, the difference between the night the, the night that, you met, that she married him and how she responded later was different. When most of us first come to the Lord, we are praising God. We don't care about the person beside us. We don't care about our education. We don't care about our pride. When you get really born again, you're going to praise the Lord. You just get overwhelmed at it. You just get over, you just get emotional about it every once in a while. There was a day when Mikhail loved David. The Bible said her father, Saul, despised David. Saul is a type of the devil, and the devil despises praise because he used to be heaven's praise leader. And when you praise God, you take his place. And the Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter 19 that Saul hated David so much that in, Psalm, in, in Sam, 1 Samuel 19, he sent assassins to his house to kill him while he was sleeping. And Michal woke up and something in her, her intuition said something's not right. And she heard the assassins knocking on the door and she ran and opened the window and woke praise up and said, you got to go out this window and escape lest you die. You know what she was doing? She, was, she said, you got to learn how when you get in dark times and when trouble's at the door, you got to learn how to open the window and let praise out. You got to let praise live to see another day. That's what you do when it's dark. That's what you do when real trouble comes to your life. You don't just sit there and let your praise die, but you open up the window and let praise out and know that this is weeping may endure for the night, but praise is going to see another day. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, send this praise on out in this dark hour. Now, I want you to understand it was Mikhail who enjoyed and encouraged in the darkest time of their life, this man to praise the Lord. But if you fast forward 20 and a half years later, 
the Bible said that a lot of things had changed. David was now king of Israel. He was coming back to Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant. He had singers and musicians and every six paces they would stop and he would offer sacrifices. And the Bible said he would dance before the Lord with all of his might and strength. All of his might, all of his strength. This man was a warrior and a killer, but this big old man would begin to praise God and dance so wildly that he did it. One translation said with every fiber and muscle in his body moving, praising, dancing, shouting, jumping, leaping. And his wife now, 20 and a half years later, looked out the window, the same window she had opened maybe, and let him escape and kept praise alive. Now life has done something to her. Problems have done something to her. A lot can happen in 20 and a half years. You can start out on fire. You can start out in love with praise and church and God and the Bible and what the Lord means to you. But a lot of trials can come in 7,478 days. A lot of setbacks, a lot of deaths, a lot of divorces, a lot of illnesses. And there came a day as he was bringing it back that the Bible said she looked out her window and she despised him for praising the Lord. Maybe she had just grown up. Maybe life wasn't simple anymore. Maybe she had gotten bitter because of something that had happened and she had lost her praise. She wasn't in love with him like she used to be in love with him. Maybe she said to herself, I don't need to be in love with praise like I used to be. I don't need to thank God like I used to be when I first fell in love with him. Something happened to her, but I've got a word for you today. If he is the same yesterday and if he is the same Tomorrow, he is the same today. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And David, when she said, you embarrass me, you, you're acting crazy, you shouldn't be doing this, he looked up at her and he said, I want you to understand something. Before your daddy ever put me in the palace, before your daddy knew who I was, God knew who I was. Before the army of Israel ever knew who I was, God knew who I was. Before Samuel the prophet ever poured oil on me and before my own father knew who I was, he didn't even ask me to stand in the line because he didn't think I was kingly material. And he said, bring all the sons of Jesse, but he didn't call for David because he knew that boy's a loser. But he said, what my my daddy, earthly daddy, didn't know. My heavenly father knew. And he said, if you think I'm not going to praise him now. See, David, 20 and a half years later, was still a praiser. I don't know about you. Some of you have been praising the Lord a while. But if you don't have as much as you had when you started, it's time to go back and get it and begin to praise the Lord again. We can't go out with a whimper. We got to go up with a shout. Don't let years of life divorce you from what you once loved. The Bible said 
that when she cursed him for praising, she became barren and never produced children again. You want to become barren? You want to stop seeing the fruitfulness of God? Then you stop worshiping. You stop praising. There's something about praise that is so powerful when we understand it and we fall in love with it. It just takes one generation, one generation to lose praise in a church. That's why I defend it. That's why I constantly rehash and come back with messages on praise. Because the Bible said that we are in Psalms 145 and verse four, one generation shall praise him to another and they shall declare his mighty works. One generation is supposed to praise. And when one generation is kind of fading out, they're supposed to praise God so much that it's passed on to the next and passed on. It's not supposed to be diminished. It's not supposed to get quieter. It's not supposed to get more distant and distant and distant from God. And if we don't watch it and if we're not intentional about our praise, we'll lose a whole generation. And all it takes is one generation to drop the baton. How many of you are 70 years of age or over? Wave your hand at me. I mean, you ought to be happy to wave your hand. Wave your hand at me. That's awesome. You're supposed to praise God. There's my mother sitting on the second row. Raise your hand and you too and, and, and Mary because y'all not telling the truth. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All her little friends, uh, they, they, they just sitting in the house of the Lord. Sitting in the house of the Lord. Everybody's, listen, if you're 70 and over, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem your soul from flames. If you're 70 or above, raise your hand and wave it at me at all the campuses. Now I want you to praise the Lord like you did when you first fell in love with him. Still got it? Wait, wait, wait. I'm not ready yet. And then he said from one generation is supposed to come from the 70 something down to the 60 and the 50 somethings. So I want all of us who are 60, all of you who are 60, I'm 59 and I can say that. All of you who are 60, you're really almost old, but not quite old. You're right there on the verge. Me and the younger 50-something will praise with you to make you feel better. But let's all, if we're 60 and 50, would you just give God a mighty praise? Hallelujah. Let me hear it at every campus. Hallelujah. If you want the next generation to do it, to get it, you better do it with some intensity. You better do it with some enthusiasm. And then he said, the... 60 and 50 somethings are just pass it on to the 40 and the 30 year olds. Do I have any little yuppies in here that, that can praise the Lord? You mean you're not ashamed? You mean it hasn't changed? You mean it's still all right to praise God? And he said, once they get it, I want the 30-somethings to pass it to the 20-somethings and the teenagers. Are there any teenagers? Are there any 20-somethings? Are there any college students and young couples that say, I love praise. I'm still in love with praise. I'm not ashamed. I won't let anything take the place of praise. Then he said, the teenagers are to pass it to the children. 
and they're to praise from one generation to another. In other words, God wants a wave to hit this place. Hallelujah. May we never lose it. May we never say we don't need that anymore in the church. As long as I'm pastoring, I will be here a long time. And as long as I'm pastor, this is going to be a praise in church. And it's going to be that way at all our campuses. And if you're not comfortable with it, get comfortable with it. Because we're going to, you know, there's only 30 minutes of silence in heaven. God's going to say, all right, cut it out. Shh. And all of heaven will go quiet. And so start the clock, angel. This is for all those little quiet, mousy Christians. And he's going to give you 30 minutes out of all eternity. And the, this is in your Bible. And at the end of 30 minutes, he's going to hit it. And he's going to say, all right, let it rip. And we're going to go back to praising God throughout all eternity. Do you know the Bible said in Matthew chapter 11 in verse 23, Jesus said, woe unto you, Capernaum. Woe unto you. It would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah because of all the mighty works that were done in you because you don't praise him. In Capernaum, a son was healed. A devil was cast out. 5,000 were fed. A storm was stilled. A servant of a centurion was healed. A man with palsy was healed. They saw so much but praised so little. And God said, Jesus, on the end, they started out in love with him. But in the end, he said, it's, it would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than you because you've lost your praise. I close with this, but in 1 Samuel chapter 22, there's an amazing story. The Bible said that there was an uprising and Saul was trying to kill David. And there were 86 priests that assisted David that were slaughtered and only one of them, there were 86 and 85 of them were slaughtered and only one of them escaped. And when he escaped, he came to David and the Bible said he had his ephod or his praise garment in his hand. There's something wrong with that statement because worship in an ephod was not it's not how you wear it in your hand. It's supposed to be on you. And the Bible said that he took the tunic in his hand. He carried it in his hand, but because there's a difference between worshiping and being a worshiper. Sooner or later, you're going to find out through the trials of life do you have this thing called faith and praise in your hand or in your heart? Because when trouble comes, when problems comes, come when crisis come, it's not enough to, I praise in church. It's like a robe in my hand. It's something that I have to be. I have to be a worshiper. I have to be a person of worship. Do you worship or are you a worshiper? 
Every man and woman under the sound of my voice will face something in life before you get out of here that is either in your hand, just something you go to on Sunday, or it's who you are. What our family has walked through the last two years, coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas, knowing that in our life and in our family, things presently are not just happy, happy. We have learned the value of being in love with praise. It's not something I just carry in my hand. It's who I am. And I'm going to tell you what's kept us alive through the darkest, darkest days. It's when I would walk in here after one of the worst weeks that we've ever had in our life. I'll never forget walking in here, sitting right down there on that front row. And they started singing this song. All I did was worship. All I did was praise. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. Sing it. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.